Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Happy Black and Gold Friday, everybody. We are oh so close now to the Saints and 49ers Sunday afternoon at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. They're already working on some more... uh, video board stuff here in the building this morning on campus and uh, we're hoping that you'll help us uh, enjoy an electric atmosphere as the saints come home to start the first of three in a row at home this sunday boy oh boy we got a big show for you today Uh, we will talk both saints and pelicans nfl in general nba in general and bring you some good news about a new game for your mobile device all of that here on the friday edition Head coach Monty Williams in just a moment of the New Orleans Pelicans. But then we'll visit with Mark Stein of ESPN.com, break down the NBA here in the first two weeks, and get his thoughts on Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. Jimmy Johnson from the NFL on Fox sits down with John DeShazer on today's show. And also, as we mentioned, we have news regarding a new game on your Pelicans app. So good stuff there. Oh, by the way, what's your latest thought on the Cleveland Browns? You know, the team that beat the Saints up in Cleveland earlier this season. Well, lo and behold, they now have a share of first place in their division, and I don't know whether they did the number on the Bengals last night or the Bengals did a number on themselves, but the Cleveland Browns dominated last night on Thursday night football. Interesting stuff there. Let's jump into it. We've got so much to cover today. I don't want to waste a whole lot of time. Last night on WWL-FM, 105.3 FM, The Monty Williams Show aired at 8 Central. That's yours every Thursday night. But it is our most extensive visit of the week with Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. And as we've come to do now over the uh, last season and now here this season, we want to share that visit with you as well on Friday in case you missed it on the Black and Blue Report. So without further ado, and before we get to our other guests, let's take you into the uh, first part of our interview from last night's Monty Williams Show. Coach, you got back on track a little bit the other night here at home. Now two and two. Yeah, two and two. Uh, obviously, we feel decent about our, our record. Uh, two and two is certainly better than one and three. Uh, we feel like we had a, an opportunity to win against Dallas. Didn't 
execute, didn't defend well in the first half, uh, executing down the stretch wasn't bad, but we put ourselves in such a hole and then against Memphis just couldn't make a shot and, and that happens, but I'm, I'm proud and excited about the way we compete, about the way we um, share the ball. Our last game, I think we had 26 assists and uh, 13 turnovers and so we feel good about where we're going, certainly not satisfied, but two and two with the schedule we've played against playoff teams is something that we can hang our hats on and yet uh, at the same time we know we can be better. You talked about the assist the other night. It sure seems like maybe with this group and maybe I'm just jumping the gun here a little bit but when this group moves the ball coach boy they're tough to defend. Yeah I think anytime you have three guys on the floor that can play pick and roll at any given time and you're moving the ball couple that with Anthony Davis it's a um, it's a tough tough combination for teams to to scout against and for guys on the floor to guard. The biggest thing with that is we got to make sure we get back in transition. We have a, you know, a few guys who can attack the basket, but that ball movement for us, you know, you look at the Spurs, you look at teams who win consistently. That's that's a common denominator on all good teams. I had a fan come up to me the other day and and he said, "Boy, there's there should be no reason that Drew Holiday shouldn't have double-digit assists every night." And I went to answer, and I stopped, and I thought, does it matter if he has 10 or if it's collectively 26? Because you've got different guys handling the ball at different times yeah, now. I, w- I wouldn't put that kind of pressure on Drew. Uh, one, he's a, a scoring guard who can pass really well. But all the guys who have double-digit assists, they, they have the ball most of the game. Uh, to have 10 assists in a game means you dominate the ball. We don't play that way. We try to allow different guys to handle at any given time. Tyree can have the ball. Eric can have the ball. Austin can have it. You know, we have guys on the bench who don't have it as much, but they're capable, like Jimmer and John Salmons, who can run pick and roll. And so it would be tough for Drew to consistently have 10 assists. I tell you what, in that Memphis game, he could have had 10 assists if we'd have made our shots. But if Drew was in that six to eight range every night, we got a chance to be a good team. Beating people up in the third quarter, is it just an anomaly, or is there something about the third with your guys? I'm not sure. You know, four games certainly doesn't give you uh, enough time to figure it out. But I, I wanted to continue. I can tell you that. I think uh, Omir is a guy who can make adjustments on his own at halftime. AD, the leader of our team, he and Drew, uh, certainly above average defender, defenders. So our defense sets the tone for our team. Uh, we've been able to come out and make adjustments from halftime uh, with our staff and the players uh, getting on the same page. And for whatever reason, we've been able to play well. I, I'd like to see us have that same force in the first quarter. And, and that, to me, is what you need when you go on the road. Coach, there have been some rough spots. We've talked about that over the first two weeks of the season. You're with them more than I am by far. But yet I haven't seen anybody hang their head in any way. This seems like a fairly mentally tough group. Well, we've been through tough times here before. So our, our guys know. They know me. They know our staff. I think they've taken on the attitude that if you play hard and you compete, even if your shot's not falling, you're going to give yourself a chance. And, you know, we play 48 minutes or whatever it takes. And, and that's been the mentality since we've been here. And so we need that. And then if you couple that with the amount of talent that we have on this team, there's no reason why we can't be a solid team right now and move on to good before the All-Star break. A guy who's struggling a little bit is Eric Gordon, and that's just scoring the basketball. I'm purely using the shooting numbers there, Coach. Uh, is there something mechanically going on with Eric? Have you been able to put your finger on it? No, I, you know, his shot looks good. Uh, he's getting open looks. Anytime you 
have talent that Eric has and you're not putting up the numbers that match that talent, you're going to bring some criticism. And I think the thing that Eric has to do, and he's done it in our practices, is he's just got to work his way through it. I don't care who you are, you're going to go through a rough spot in your career. And the guys who get out of it the fastest work their way out of it. Couple that with the fact that we've played against some really good defensive teams. <laughs> Memphis, Tony Allen, Dallas is a good defensive team. Uh, Charlotte was one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. And so it's not like he's playing against slouches on defense. And Orlando's a team that plays really, really hard. So uh, certainly can shoot the ball better when you look at his numbers, but he, he, he'll snap out of it. You know, it's one of those things you go through as a player. You and I both know that he is going to snap out of this. When he does, Coach, boy, I, after watching your team play a little bit, that dynamic of that starting five, it can only raise it up a whole lot. Yeah, I think you couple – his ability to score and the way our defense has played minus the Dallas game in the first half. You know, if we can get the 12 to 15 points a game from, from Eric, I think it, it boosts our offense for sure. It makes our defense better because we're playing against teams taking the ball out. And that's a combination that we think can help us win a lot of games this year. All right, still to come, don't forget Mark Stein and Jimmy Johnson too. More with head coach Monty Williams right after this. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. MLife presents the All-American Road Trip Giveaway at Beau Rivage. Win your share of up to $130,000 in free play, even a brand new Cadillac CTS, only at the Beau. See MLife just for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-777-9696. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. This is Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back. Everything was on the table last night with Monty Williams. Let's jump back into our interview with the Pelicans head coach. Coach, before we get to what lies ahead here, I, I want to tip the cap for a moment to Tyreek Evans and I guess probably Fred Vinson too. Uh, watching Tyreek shoot from the perimeter has been a nice treat here early in the preseason. I get the impression that there was a lot of work that went into working with him on that jump shot in the offseason. Well, I, I think any time you put that kind of work in, it, it, to me, you're going to see results. And, and that was the thing that I didn't understand about Tyreek. I, I, I didn't realize that he was a hard worker. I knew he had game. I knew he could play one-on-one -on -one basketball and get by guys. I knew he was a, a good person and but I didn't understand him until I saw him this summer change his shot and work on his game. And, and although it's only four games into the season, I think the progress that he and Fred have made with his shot has been tremendous. I mean, Tyreek was a guy who wasn't consistent in any aspect of shooting the ball. And I think his ability to trust Fred, I think Fred was able to convince him, hey, look, I've been with Quincy Pondexter, Brian Roberts, 
everybody that I've worked with, they've had big time results and changed their careers. And they were together all summer long working on uh, Tyreek's shot. And they still are. I mean, you come in to our practice an hour after the practice, Tyreek's here every day working on his shot. I get reports about him being in the gym at night, coming back to work on it. And I think the more success he has, the more he's going to get more comfortable. But the thing I don't want him to lose is his ability to attack and pass and get to the basket because I think that's just going to make him a complete offensive player. You don't usually show a whole lot with your facial expressions. So I, I'm just going to ask you, uh, you know, he's teed up a few of those threes here in these first four games. And I can't help but wonder if uh, head coach Monty Williams is saying, oh, no, don't take that shot. Or if there's a trust there, where are you on this? <laughs> you know, the one thing I, I, I've learned in my career um, as a coach is uh, the ability to trust guys. My thing and I, I know I get a lot of criticism for a number of things, but I think what people have to understand is if I see you put the work in, I don't mind you doing it on the floor. When I don't see you working on your game, when I don't see you going hard, and then you try the stuff in practice in games, I just don't think that's right. I don't think it's fair to our team. I don't think it's fair to your teammates and certainly not to the organization. And so use Tyreek case in point. I watched him work on his game. I've watched him every day in training camp when he couldn't play. Now, this summer, I've watched him change his shot and work on his game. So why would I take that away from him? I've seen him put the work in. When I watch guys do stuff that I haven't seen them work on, I don't think that's fair. And I don't think it's right to the fan who pays their hard-earned money to watch a guy do something in the game that he didn't work on. And plus, it hurts our team. And so I don't mind shots because I think when you play as hard as we play, when you make an attempt to defend the way we want you to defend, offense is something that guys have worked on their whole life. lives. So I, I think you have to trust them. They certainly trust me with my play calling and the, and the ways I try to put them in position to, to win games. And so it's a great partnership there. Coach, speaking of trust, how much of your substitution pattern right now is based on trust? Yeah. And how much of it is you trying some things out in the first two weeks here? Well, a lot of it is just trying – uh, certain things out. Um, we, we think we have six, seven guys who can play every single night, and I, I know what I'm going to get. Uh, Ryan and Austin right now being those two guys off the bench. After that, it's been a, a bit of a try to figure it out mm -hmm. process. And I don't mind playing three bigs. On back-to-backs, um, it can be a little different because you know you have two games coming up and you don't want guys playing 40 minutes when you know you got a game the next night. Uh, not many teams do that. At the same time, it's going to be a process. Uh, nobody on our bench past the seventh guy has stepped up and said, that's my spot. And I'm not going to run from that and try to hide it. You know, nobody's done that. Nobody can prove to me that they have. Yet, Lexi, uh, John, they're more than capable of taking that eighth and ninth spot. And those are guys who played minutes in the league. Uh, John's a guy who has great experience. And it's only going to help our team get better. So the first six, seven guys of our rotation, um, I, I, I know what I'm going to get from those guys. I think Austin's done enough to solidify his spot in the rotation, which is something that is an accomplishment for him. And after that, Lexi, John, I thought Luke was going to be able to step up, and then he hurt his finger, so the jury's still out there. Let me lob this softball up at you real quick. Uh, <laughs> your next two are on the road. How about San Antonio and Cleveland on the road? What do you think about that, Coach? Well, you know, my mindset right now is uh, our preparation for San Antonio Obviously, it's a tough road trip, but that, that's the NBA. You know, we're not the only team that's going to run into a scenario that doesn't fit geographically into what you think is appropriate for an NBA schedule. Yet, it's the NBA. 
And that's a tough part about being where we are geographically. You know, we play a team in the West. We travel an hour and a half, two hours west, and then we got to go back east again and play another game. But I'm, I feel like we're more than capable of winning on the road. We play well offensively from the first quarter and, and keep that third quarter burst and finish out games and keep our defense where it is and not give anything there. We're more than capable of, of winning against anybody in the NBA. And with that being said, though, do you need a win against an elite team from the West or a road win or something to validate some of the work. I don't, I'm probably not phrasing this right, but does it, does it show progress? Does it show a step? Do you make a statement in any way by taking one of those teams down here early in the season? I thought we did that by beating Charlotte. Okay. I mean, Charlotte's a playoff team. The next night they come out and beat Miami by 15. So we had a chance to beat Dallas. We had a chance to beat Memphis. Yeah, we'd love to win against San Antonio, and that's our plan. And if we do win against those teams, it, it does make a statement and it does give you more confidence. But I've never, I've never been quick to worry about test games or statement games because if you don't win early in the season, does that mean you failed? The process of an NBA season is too long to generalize in short sample sizes. And so I'm, I'm always careful, especially with a young team, to talk about it in those terms. And yet uh, San Antonio is a defending champion of our league. And if you can go on their floor and win, it certainly says a lot about your team and program. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that you spoke to it like that because sometimes I go into those games and just, okay, what does this mean? I always want to find some kind of a meeting, and I know that's that's dangerous to do, especially this early. Yeah, it is early. You know, look around the league. You know, everybody's crying about the Clippers, and they won 57 games last year. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like. Houston's 5-0, and and now everybody's saying, well, they didn't play anybody. So, like, you never – you can't validate or make everybody happy. Somebody's going to criticize you. Somebody's going to whine about – you got to stay the course. you got to process. It's 82 games long. You can't get caught up in what everybody else says. It's all noise. And, and we know we're capable of winning games. We can compete with anybody in the NBA. We know that. Uh, we just got to go out there and do it. And no matter what other people say, you know – you know, you can't lie to yourself. You, you can lie to your buddies. You can lie to the media. You can do all that stuff. But the bottom line is you know who you are, how you played, what your team is about, and, and you got to go out and show and prove. And that's, that's what we plan on doing. Pelicans practicing today at their facility, then traveling this afternoon to San Antonio, Texas. This will be a difficult road trip. The Spurs tomorrow night at AT&T Center. And then on Monday night, the Pelicans take on LeBron James and the Cavaliers for the first time at Quicken Loans Arena. Tomorrow night's broadcast all across the Pelicans radio network, including the flagship station, 105.3 WWL-FM. Tip time is 7.30 Central between the Spurs and the Pelicans. Of course, San Antonio last night sat Ginobili, sat Duncan, had Splitter out due to injury, and Bellinelli out to injury, and got uh, smoked by the Houston Rockets uh, in the second game of a back-to-back. Houston is uh, 6-0 and now. We'll talk more about the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Pelicans, too, with Mark Stein from ESPN.com. As a matter of fact, let's just do that next segment. Before we get to Jimmy Johnson today, Mark Stein right around the corner. 
The New Orleans Pelicans are taking flight, and you don't want to miss any of the action. The Pelicans' five-game flex plan presented by Domino's is the opportunity to pick the games right for you. Ticket plans are the only way to guarantee seats to the biggest games, including the matchup against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Plus, each plan comes with a free Domino's pizza. Five-game packages start as low as $45. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to score your five-game plan today. I'm Linda, mother of two beautiful 13-year-old twins. While my son has brown hair and blue eyes and my daughter has blonde with green eyes, they both share one identical DNA trait. I hate spinach. No one leaves the table until you finish your vegetables. Getting my kids to want to eat vegetables, that's my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new veggie blends at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get your kids to love vegetables. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Big Friday Show. Still to come, Jimmy Johnson from the NFL on Fox. But uh, one of our go-to guys on the NBA side, of course, is ESPN's Mark Stein. Kind enough to uh, join us here on this Friday. Mark, we had uh, some interesting stories start to pop up here in the first two weeks of the NBA season. None more strange than what we saw last night between San Antonio and Houston. But then again, I'm not too surprised with uh, the way that Greg Popovich handles his veterans during the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think now at this point it isn't a shock when they do it. It's still a disappointment because obviously with the way Houston's playing, I think we all wanted to see that. Uh, and don't forget that Houston swept San Antonio in the regular season last season, which doesn't happen every day. But, uh, you know, Greg Popovich is pretty much the only coach in the league who can get away with doing that. He's bulletproof. Obviously, he's not in danger of getting fired by his own team anytime soon. Uh, you know, and ever since the whole, ever since they did it in Miami, the Spurs have been pretty proactive with announcing early when guys aren't going to play. So everybody in the media got that release yesterday that the Spurs were holding their guys out. But you know, it is it is disappointing for fans, for neutrals. I'm sure Houston is glad they got the win and they're off to the 6-0 and start, but that, that was a game that I think people were looking forward to, and, and obviously uh, Popovich strategically took the, uh, took the sizzle out of that one. No doubt, and, and the reason I start there, Mark, is because I know so many NBA fans love checking your power rankings at ESPN.com. You had San Antonio there at the top back on Monday, so when Greg Popovich um, has this uh, – this move planned for the week, or it happens when they play Houston. What does that do to your your rankings, or how you put things together when you say, "Okay, I still believe in San Antonio," but as far as the power rankings go for a particular week, what do I what do you do with that? Well, in general, the way I do the power rankings to try to explain it in a sentence is it's a it's a half and half measure of what we're seeing right now, but also never forgetting a team's big picture. So Sacramento, for example, is off to this great start, but that doesn't mean I launched Sacramento up to number three in the rankings. You know, their, their big picture outlook, you know, you know I think you, you wouldn't find too many people around the league who see, that, see them as a playoff team just yet. So, so that's going to factor in and, and, you know, keep them out of the top ten. Otherwise, if I just go by records, I might as well just rearrange the standings. Now, San Antonio stayed at number one after the first week because, you know, they lost, lost a game at Phoenix, but, you know, one loss when – the other top teams in the league at the time, none, none were playing super, you know, 
your Clevelands, your your Clippers, uh, you know, Chicago, all they all had their own kind of issues in the first week. There was so there was really no reason to to move San Antonio out of the top spot after one loss. But now, after two weeks worth of games, you do have a handful of of teams playing really really well. I think it's safe to say San Antonio will not be there when the new rankings come out Monday. You know, Houston. Memphis obviously playing really, really well in Golden State. You know, I moved Golden State all the way up to number two last week, so I, I would say all, all three of those teams are, are, are kind of in the mix for number one if we're talking about this 48 hours away. Yeah, no doubt. And, and heck, we get the C mark, Golden State and Houston go at each other this weekend. So, I mean, that's a nice juicy ball game here early in the season, too. Yeah, you know, Houston, a lot of people are taking issue with the fact that they've played so many weak teams and, and, a, and a weak, you know, they, their, their first four games were, were very favorable. And obviously they played a skeletal Spurs team. So that's, you know, that's not like routing the full strength Spurs. But what you would have to say about Houston, when you look at them, their point margin is so healthy. And point margin is such a great indicator of future success. And when you're beating everyone by double digits, uh, I don't want to say it doesn't matter who you're playing, but that is kind of a signal to everyone that, that these guys are playing really, really good basketball. So Golden State, you know, they've been, they've been great too. They really, really hammered the Clippers in a game that, that everybody had circled as well. So to see Houston and Golden State go at it, that'll, uh, that, that will definitely be a good one. Yeah, all great points. Um, Mark, I had Dennis Scott on yesterday, and, and while we sit here with most of these teams now five games or less into the season, we're, we're all so excited about the start of the NBA season that we tend to um, overhype or overanalyze even the smallest of things, whether it be just a one-game matchup and whatnot. So the question I want to pose to you here on this Friday is, give me – Give me a storyline or two, Mark, that that is happening now in the NBA that is actually real, something that we'll hang on to for a long time coming. Well, I tend to agree with that in general. You know, I've been saying this for years that we, you know, we, we kind of get sucked. We, we, you know, there, there are so many shows now that analyze things and just so many different platforms and outlets, whether it's, you know, Twitter or TV or whatever it is. There are so many different places where we're talking about the games all day long until tip off that it has kind of led to a, it's led to a scenario where NFL analysis is kind of being applied to the NBA and, you know, one in three or one in four in the NBA is not the same thing as one in three or one in four in the NFL, obviously. But saying all that Cleveland, by virtue of what they did this summer, when you bring in LeBron James, when you add Kevin Love on top of that, when you get, two of the league's three best players in terms of PER and you add them to Kyrie Irving, that's going to invite daily and even hourly scrutiny. So uh, I really don't have to think too hard about this one. What's going on in Cleveland, you know, we, we are going to psychoanalyze that team. And, you know, LeBron came out with a tweet to everybody, relax. And, you know, I understand what he's saying. And I don't think it's, you know, full-on press the panic button time. But because of what they did, it was so splashy. You know, how are we going to resist not wanting to evaluate that team? I mean, everybody's looking closely at Cleveland because it's uh, you know we it, it has not gone well at the start. And my bigger quarrel is what happened on opening night. You know, I was in Cleveland, and there was all this talk that you know it was too emotional. It was such an emotional evening, and that drained the cab. No, I mean, there's the Knicks were coming in on the second night of a back-to-back. It was a weakened Knicks team missing a couple starters. 
there's no way Cleveland should have lost that game. And to me, I have a I have a far bigger issue with the way they looked in that one than, uh, you know, they went to a couple tough spots on the road, uh, you know, going to Portland and, and, and even Utah still. Utah can still be a very tough place to play. Th- those losses can be rationalized to me, but I, I had a much bigger issue with them losing on opening night to, to a tired and shorthanded Knicks team. Interesting. And so in light of that, Mark, what kind of a Cavaliers team should I expect to see when the Pelicans play there on Monday night? Well, I mean, they're, they, are, they are a bit of a mess. Right now, uh, their offense, there's no flow there. I think you can see that. And defensively, we knew there were going to be some issues. I mean, you, 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 know, you see Dion Waiters come out and say, I'm not a catch-and-shoot player. Well, Dion, if you want to play on this team, you're going to have to be a catch-and-shoot player. So it's, it's, it's discouraging to hear stuff like that already because it's just way too soon for that. I think Kyrie and Dion Waiters can be good catch-and-shoot players, but I don't think either one wants to be. So... Uh, but, you know, LeBron's got to take some of this on himself, too. He can't just stand in the corner in Portland or just say, you know, these guys have to have to figure it out. I mean, he, you know, he has looked at times sluggish and is not playing at the level that, that we expect. So, I mean, they're all going to have to pull together and do this together. And there doesn't look right now from the outside to be a lot of togetherness there. And I think the point's been made. I think it's a good one. When Miami came together – you know, LeBron, Wade, Bosch, they did that in concert. These were guys who had played on the Olympic team together, were all friendly, and they put the big three together. You know, this group is all new, including a new coach. They don't really know each other. LeBron and Kevin Love have played together in the Olympics, but it's, it's a new team, and it looks like a new team right now. Mark Stein from ESPN.com with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, Mark, tomorrow night I get the uh, the pleasure of watching Tim Duncan and Anthony Davis go at each other. And while the Pelicans are still looking for, I guess, dare I say, a statement win, uh, I will be zeroed in on that matchup. If you were on the broadcast with me tomorrow night, how would you frame up the Tim Duncan-Anthony Davis situation? Well, that one kind of writes itself because mm-hmm. Tim is still so good. He's off to a very good start. San Antonio is off to an iffy start, but Duncan has been very good out of the gate. And, uh, you know, Anthony Davis uh, – I think excitement about him is is pretty universal all over the league. Uh, you know, it's a pretty common complaint from people who do my job and and fans that I, you know, the the, the vocal fans that I hear that that New Orleans never gets national TV time because I think everybody wants to see Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, obviously a different player than Tim Duncan. That they're not the same stylistically, but uh, you know. That, that that is a matchup that I you know I hope, hopefully you'll have a good courtside seat for that one. Yeah, I, I think I, I think anytime those two guys are on the floor, uh, there's automatic interest. Let's be objective here, Mark, and I need help on that because I'm with these guys all the time. Um, the other night at the Smoothie King Center, you know, some of the fans started chanting MVP with Anthony Davis at the free throw line, and then there has been some talk that maybe he slides into that conversation eventually. Um, objectively, though. How far away are we from Anthony Davis being included in that conversation? I've felt it's been premature. I, you know, I, and I think I said that in, in the first edition of the Power Rankings, that I, I think Anthony is being hyped up too much, if that's possible. Now, his numbers have been so insane coming out of the gate that you know, he clearly doesn't think so, and, and, and he's ready to achieve that mantle. But just look at the way MVP voting has evolved over the last – 
30-something years. We haven't had an MVP from a team sub-50 wins since Moses Malone in the early 80s. So for him to realistically mount an MVP charge, New Orleans is not only going to have to make the playoffs, but get into the 50-win range. And is that realistic this season? I don't think it is. Now, he might finish in the top five because if his numbers are that good and New Orleans can crack the top eight in the first, you know, can crack the top eight in the West, I could see him finishing maybe fourth or fifth because statistically he's going to be so great. But a legit, he can win the MVP award. I mean, it's team success has just proven to be a huge component there. So I, I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any way around that. And, and what little, you know, I, I certainly haven't spent as much time around, around him as you, but something tells me that MVP consideration is something that's not even in, in his, uh, in his thought process right now. I, I can't imagine he's terribly worried about that. No, he's not. He's a different cat. I mean, that doesn't, uh, he wants to win and he wants to see this, this franchise grow, which is so refreshing to say the least. Um, and, and I don't have any argument with what you said there. I, I just, I, I kind of giggled when it happened the other night and I thought it was fun, but I just, I, I wanted to add an objective voice uh, in yourself. Well, um, I, I would just look at it as a positive. Like, I think it just reflects the talk just reflects how fond people around the league are of Anthony Davis and how much they like watching him play. And that, that's why it is a shame that, that the Pelicans are never on national TV. You know, I've, I've thrown this out a few times. I was fortunate enough to be with Team USA, and Anthony was, you know, the, every game was on ESPN. So for, you know, you know we, we got to see Anthony Davis play nine, ten games in the summertime on TV, and, and, and now the country won't get to see him till the All-Star game or whenever it is. Right, but, but, I, but I think, you know, when, when Chris Paul and David and Tyson were all here and all that, I think that, you know, that team played well. That team had a little star power to it, and – those national TV appearances went up, so I don't. I just, I think that, I think that it'll happen if they continue to build around him, you know. But until then, you're right. It's it's going to be few and far between. Yeah, and they look. Everybody sees them as as a playoff dark horse. That they do have a chance to sneak into the top eight if everything falls right. Their first couple cracks at a supposed statement win haven't quite worked out. But again, it's ridiculously early. Yeah, it is. Um, Mark, of course, we'll be following the power rankings. Can you share with us anything that you're working on or where you might be traveling to in the next week or two here? Uh, honestly, most of my travel these days is, is going back to Bristol, which, <laughs> I, uh, which I greatly enjoy to, uh, to, to go back to the mothership, as we call it, and kind of uh, observe everything from there, which is, which is always a great experience because we got guys like George Carl and Avery Johnson and P.J. Carlismo, and actually you know, watching games with them and seeing it through their lens is uh, for someone like me is really, really interesting um, because obviously in the normal course of reporting, you don't typically have the opportunity to do that. So that, that's something that, that, uh, that I like a lot. But uh, things are fluid. Who knows? Who knows when I'll be dispatched in New Orleans? I would, re- yep, stay ready. I, I will be ready, and, uh, and I may run into you over there in Texas where you like to spend some time too as well. So, uh, hey, on a, on a quick side note, those three gentlemen you just mentioned – uh, which one of them becomes a head coach again first? Is hmm. that fair? Am I putting you on the spot? No, no. I mean, I, you know, it's 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 a weird time in the league right now because you, that's one thing we really don't have. You don't see a lot of a lot of talk about coach A, B, C, and D is in trouble. You know, we had the big turnover uh, where we had 13 coaching changes coming into last season, which was a record. So you still have a lot of coaches who are 
who are early in their deals. But uh, I, I think, you know, I think George or Avery probably is, is you know, it wouldn't surprise me if either one got back into the game. But I think also all those guys like TV so much that, uh, you know, they want to make sure it's the right gig. Fair enough. Hey, um, you're so busy. Keep up the great work. Uh, it, it's a treat when we can have you on, and I appreciate it, Mark. All right. Take care, guys. You bet. Mark Stein from ESPN.com with us. Stay tuned. Jimmy Johnson after this quick timeout. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare. With peace of mind. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Well, welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. You never know who you might find lurking around our building and our spaces. And uh, one such person today happens to be Jimmy Johnson, the Super Bowl winning coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Super Bowls 27 and 28 in 1992 and 93. Currently, an analyst for Fox NFL Sunday. And Mr. Johnson, welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be here. Now, what brings you to our humble abode today? <laughs> well, I was here interviewing uh, Sean Payton you know, for our Fox NFL Sunday show. And, uh, of course, uh, I've known Sean for quite some time, so it was good to kind of revisit a little bit besides doing the interview for the show. Now, obviously, you see a lot in NFL teams. Uh, what have you? What are your impressions of the Saints? Started the season one and three. Three and one the last four games, back-to-back wins over Green Bay here by 21, on the road against Carolina by 18. They seem to have righted the ship. Yeah, I, I really think the Saints are playing well now, I'd, especially uh, here the last couple of ball games. And they started off slow, but uh, they were very close losses. You know, they're against uh, Atlanta and Cleveland, uh, and then uh, they had a very disappointing loss against Detroit. But you know, I think the Saints are really one of the better teams in the league, and I think they're playing that way now. Uh, of course, it's going to be a big ball game against the 49ers here Sunday. Is this kind of start reminiscent to you of any teams you coach where, you know, you started a little bit slow, you felt like you were a lot better than the record show, then you were able to kind of turn it around? Oh, I, I think every year, you know, every team's different. You know, you've got a different personality as far as the particular players. Uh, uh, but, you know, watching this Saint team, I, I, I think the defense – you know, I think most of us expected the defense to be a little bit better earlier on, uh, but it's starting to play well now. And I, I think running the football with Mark Ingram the last couple of weeks has probably helped that defense. And, you know, you, know, you knew that uh, Drew Brees is going to put up points throwing the football. Uh, but I think the running game with Ingram is probably helping the overall team. Yeah. 
you had a pretty good running back, I, I would say, in Dallas, a guy who was you know fair to Midland, I guess, Emmett Smith. <laughs> How much does a running game, and what aspects does a running game kind of boost an offense and even it out? Well, I think the biggest thing about the running game is that uh, there's going to be times that you're going to be struggling throwing the football. Uh, you're going to be a little bit out of sync, maybe because of the defense, one thing or another, or it's going to be on the road or bad weather, et cetera, et cetera. The running game you can count on. You know, uh, We always say that – you know. The running game and the, the defense travels. If, if you've got a solid running game and you've got a solid defense, uh, you're going to be able to play in all kinds of conditions wherever. Uh, the, the offense is almost a bonus at times. Uh, and so the running game, I think, really helps the overall team you know, performance because of you know, time of possession, protecting the ball, et cetera, et cetera. I know you know the Saints' streaks here at home. They've won 11 straight dating back to last season. That's a franchise record. With Sean Payton coaching on the sidelines, they won 20 straight at home under him. What makes a team play that way at home? You know, I, I asked Sean that question. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think every team's got a, a home field advantage, and every team seems to play better at home than what they do on the road. You know, there's some built-in advantages as far as the crowd noise and being able to have the snap count. And, and then on defense, you know, with the opponents not being able to hear their cadence as well, you're going to get a good jump on the ball rushing the passer. So there's some built-in advantages uh, because of crowd noise. Uh, but I think with the Saints, it's even more so. I, I think it's just a, a lot of great pride uh, in front of these uh, home fans uh, and which they don't have on the road. Uh, but uh, like I said, you know, more than any team in the league, uh, the Saints have a built-in home field advantage. You mentioned Drew Brees. Can you kind of, I guess, explain the dynamic between a coach like Sean Payton and a Drew Brees? Obviously, you had your own Hall of Fame quarterback with Troy Aikman. What's the dynamic there to, that keeps the relationship fresh and moving ahead? Well, I think that, you know, they're both, you know, tremendous competitors. They both have a tremendous passion for the game, and they see that in each other. I, I think anytime you have a, a player, a quarterback, or whoever, and a coach, and you have that kind of relationship, it comes out of respect. Uh, respect of the credibility that, you know, they're going to be totally prepared. Uh, the respect in that each can help each other. Uh Without question, you know, Drew knows that Sean Payton is a big part of his success and Sean the same way with Drew. And so I think you have a great relationship there. Okay. Now, how much do you enjoy what you're doing now and how many years has it added to your life? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I love doing Fox NFL Sunday. Uh, uh, Terry Bradshaw is uh, one of my best friends and we spend a lot of time together. And he's a boy. Oh, yeah, and he loves those Saints yeah. too now. <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, on the set with uh, Howie Long and Michael Strahan, Kurt Menefee, uh, it, it's a great group. Uh, I, I enjoy the weekends with the guys. Uh, and like you say, it added a lot of years to my life. Yeah, when, you, when you get together with a group like that, a pretty eclectic group, does it, how, how, talk about the chemistry there because is it like a football team where you kind of got to get uh, to know guys' personalities? Well, you know, I think one reason for the success of our show and – I mean, you look at, you know, we actually started like 21 years ago. And uh, I took off for four years to coach the Dolphins. Uh, but uh, 21 years ago, Howie Long, Terry Bradshaw, and myself started Fox NFL Sunday. And uh, anytime you can go there and and enjoy one another, we can, you know, bust each other's chops at times. And somebody's going to make a mistake. We laugh about it. And we laugh with each other. 
uh, it's all spontaneous, and I think the viewer sees that. You know, they see that we're just having a good time, enjoying one another, getting ready for football, uh, and they can relate to that. And I, I think they can see the chemistry that we have on Fox NFL Sunday. Now, you'll know something about this. Obviously, you were able to do so in Dallas. The Saints have built a pretty nice little program here, especially since Sean Payton came. What does it take to build a program that can sustain? Well, I, I think you've got to have leadership at the top. You know, you know, obviously, you've got to have ownership, and Tom Benson's done a great job here. Uh, but you look at the, you know, as far as the administrative people, you, know, you look at uh, Mickey Loomis, you, you look at, you know, Sean Payton. And, I, of course, I always go back to the head coach because you've got to have a leader there. You've got to have a leader that sets the standard, uh, not only an X's and O's coach and not only a motivator, uh, but a leader of men. You know, somebody that they all, you know, have tremendous respect for, uh, that has credibility. And these players, you know, they're professionals. Uh, they want somebody that's going to allow them to be successful. Uh, they want somebody that's going to be able to lead them and give them uh, the preparation that they need to be successful every single week. And they see that in Sean Payton. Okay. Now, I don't know if this is putting you on the spot, and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times. Okay. Are you a Cowboys guy? Are you a, are you a, a Dolphins guy? Are you a Hurricanes <laughs> guy? Which, which one is it? Because people, well, people kind of well, forget about the you. But. Yeah, well, first of all, I love University of Miami now. <laughs> and plus, I played at University of Arkansas. We had an undefeated national about, yeah, championship right. team. Uh, but, you know, right there at home, you know, I'm with University of Miami. Uh, and they've had some down years here recently. And, and of course, we have great memories of, of when we were able to make a run. I think we lost two regular season games in four years. And, and so we had some good times there. But right now, the biggest fan I am is going to be with Fox NFL Sunday. I, I'm a, <laughs> I, and, and in all honesty, uh, our whole set, you know, everybody on Fox, we're, a big, uh, we're big Saints fans because we have a great relationship with the coaches here, uh, and, and we love the Saints. Well, folks, that is Jimmy Johnson. We will bring you a little bit. Of, you never know what you're going to hear on the Black and Blue Report. <laughs> Today it's Jimmy Johnson. Tomorrow it might be me, unfortunately. But you know what? We jumped up today and we raised up our game. We're glad to have Mr. Johnson here with us. We appreciate you joining us. And we will be back in a moment with more Black and Blue Report. Lotto's all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City, to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Stay up to date on the latest breaking New Orleans Saints news by downloading the team's official app presented by Verizon. Check out the 2014 schedule, league standings, and statistics. Plus, have access to watch live press conferences with Coach John Payton and players while reliving your favorite Saints moments. The Saints app makes the perfect game day companion with a detailed map of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome highlighting the facility's amenities. The free New Orleans Saints app presented by Verizon is available to download on iTunes and Google Play. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. It's been a great Friday show here on the Black and Blue Report. A fun one, to say the least. And we'll get ready for a fun weekend, of course, with the Pelicans back in ashes, we mentioned, and the Saints and LSU and everybody else. But uh, for the gamers out there, we have a little added uh, punch for you for the weekend, too, um, especially those that are 
uh, in tune with like Candy Crush and Clash of the Clans and all those things that you can play on your mobile device now. Well, we've told you over the uh, several months now about the Pelicans app and how great that is to have on your mobile device. Well, uh, Doug Tatum and his crew with uh, Saints and Pelicans Digital Media and our good friends at Chevron and now Audubon Institute have all jumped in to add to our gaming experience. Yes, I didn't think we'd talk about this on this Friday, but Quest for the Coast is ready to go. It is the new in-app game for all of you uh, possessing the Pelicans app and who are ready to download that app. A lot of work has gone into this, uh, and so today is the big unveiling. Doug Tatum, of course, Executive Director of Pelicans and Saints Digital Media, and uh, Sakari Morrison from Chevron is here. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Brenda Walkenhorst, Director of Education Projects of Audubon Nature Institute. What is the game, Doug? Come on, we've been we, we've been talking about this for a long time now. I know, it's ready. I know. It's been on the drawing board, and we've been testing it for a while. It it Quest for the Coast presented by Chevron is an infinite flying adventure featuring Pierre the Pelican, our team mascot. So Pierre flies up and down the coast of Louisiana, collecting things that help stave off uh, coastal erosion and avoiding obstacles. Some, you know, bad for the environment, some definitely bad for the coast. And the goal is you want to save as many miles as possible. At certain mile markers, you get flown into a basketball bonus round. We are a basketball team. That's who we are. We're all about the game. And you can score double points in the basketball bonus round. Then your game continues. And then at the end of the game, if the water rises too much, you get a bonus question. And this is when the educational aspect of the game kicks in. You get asked a question about the environment. You get it right. Your game continues. If you get it wrong, the game ends, but we point out the right answer. And I think that's really key because what we're hoping people to do is you learn that way and you'll learn the correct answer and you'll learn about the environment. So it's a fun game and, and educational at the same time. All right, I'm glad about the whole right answer thing because I tried it out last night for the first time. By the way, the game looks great um, and it is challenging. Uh, and certainly I'm glad the answers was there because I didn't get a lot of them. <laughs> I was a little surprised at how much I didn't know about uh, our coast uh, and the environment and its impact uh, and everything else. So. Uh, that part is great. Let me jump over to Chevron real quick. And good to see you, Sakari, by the way. So Chevron jumps in almost right away with this thing. And I can't help but notice the efforts now by Chevron to not only educate, but be a real push right now for what we're doing to fight for our coastline and everything else. Tell me about how you all got involved with this and, and has this turned out to, to be what you thought it would be? Well, Chevron, Audubon, and the Pelicans are all active partners in coastal restoration, marine and wildlife protection, and sustainable development. So this app, this game, may I say very cool Quest for the Coast game, was a great opportunity for us to leverage our resources together um, to find a way to help teach um, the young and young at heart um, more about Louisiana's coast and the important role that they play both for Louisiana and for the nation as a whole. Does the game hit the mark? Does it accomplish the goal? Oh, absolutely. I've been having fun through the development of the game, and I'm a little upset because, you know, my high score of, you know, 734, which is maybe low for others, but I was quite proud of it, has disappeared because now we're out of development and have to have downloaded a new game, so that's disappeared. So I have to earn my new score. But it's a really great game, and I can't stop playing it. All right. I won't tell you my score from last okay. night. <laughs> 
Brenda Walkenhorst, my first time meeting you. Um, good morning. Good morning. Uh, tell me about what you do with Audubon and, and how this all ties in, because then, then obviously I think after that it'll be a natural tie-in to how you helped us as far as the, the educational aspect of this of this game. Sure. Well, Audubon Nature Institute um, focuses on wetlands at all of our facilities. So if you go to the zoo, we have a Louisiana Swamp Exhibit, which has won awards. Um, if you go to the aquarium, we have the golf um, exhibit. Even our insectarium has a Louisiana Swamp Exhibit where you can learn about the wildlife. So we have for years done education programs. We have a Wetland Express, which does educational outreach. We do workshops. And, and our mission is to connect people to nature so one of the things that made us exciting excited to be partners is that now we can reach an even bigger audience with sports fans and things like that and it was very exciting for us to be able to offer the educational component of this who gets credit maybe it's you who gets credit for coming up with all the great questions uh the, i had to do a lot of research on the questions and um so it was fun to see actually my work uh get put in here and one of the things that we focused when we gave them um, wetland facts was we th there can be some doom and gloom um, with wetland loss and, and climate change and we want to make sure this was positive information that kids have hope that once they learn and even on a national level if people start to see how much aquaculture and recreation and things that we do here in uh, the Gulf states, they're like, wow, this is information like even you didn't know. This is a pretty valuable thing for the whole country. So it's a positive way for kids to learn about it and say, hey, I can do something about this. I had my son try the game out last night. This was a, all right, everybody gather around. We're trying out this new game. My son's 14. So he, of course, wanted to go like play it more in his room and all that. Comes flying back out. Dad, did you know how old the oldest brown pelican is? Yeah. And that was one of the questions. Um, he says, he said, I got it wrong, but now I know. <laughs> and I, but, but that's the thing. He got it wrong, but now he knows. So if right. I probably would go back to him today, he'd say, I think it was 30 years was the answer. Mm -hmm. there's, there's the free one out there for you. <laughs> um, so, so now he knows. So, right. Fantastic. And, and one of the things that we focus on at Audubon Nature Institute is we're informal educators. And we learned the best way to teach somebody something is through a game, is through fun. And so people are going to learn by playing this awesome game. They're going to learn facts that they're going to start to spout, and they don't even know how they know that information. All right, Sakari, um, first the steam zone over there at the new Smoothie King Center, the renovated building. Um, I just mentioned my 14-year-old son. Uh, this game is going to hit home with a lot of them. It they may get more out of it than this 42-year-old. That doesn't mean that this 42-year-old is not going to go after it. Um, especially on the team plane today, perhaps. Um, but it sure seems like Chevron's gearing all this effort toward a younger generation. Am I am I wrong on that? Well, you're wrong. You're right, and you're wrong. Okay. Because we, you know, all of the things that we've done with the Pelicans and with Audubon and, and both the Steam Zone, but also with this great app, it's really for the young, but also the young at heart. Um, so when you go into the Pelicans uh, arena, you'll see adults. Um, you know, pondering around uh, our steam zone just as much as you see kids. And as well with the app, I think you'll find it equally addictive. And I look forward to comparing our scores in a month or so okay, and see how we enough. do. Um, but I think it, it's it's an attempt to really reach both audiences and, and help all of us learn more about the, both the ecological and the biological diversity of this region. Uh, on a side topic, the steam zone over at Smoothie King Center, real quick, mm -hmm. why is it called the steam zone? Because I think yes. folks have come in and said, 
Okay, I get I get the whole STEM, thing. Yeah. Yeah. STEM is much more familiar, I think, throughout the nation, and it's a core um, area where Chevron's focused in, given our industry. However, we chose STEAM with the Pelicans in, in, in regard to the fact that Louisiana, especially the greater New Orleans region, is a hub for arts and culture and uh, for not only the region but the nation and the world um, and and there were so many opportunities to leverage art as a way to inspire kids to stay in school to stay active in school to learn about science and math those who have you know play music and um, have have shown through studies to do better in math um, in theater uh, for instance uh, learn better life skills and so forth and all of these are very important attributes and and help make stem learning even more valuable so we thought for Louisiana we had a ghost team instead of STEM. All right, Doug Tatum, how do we get the game? Swing that microphone back over to you. Yeah, it's pretty simple, Sean. If you have our team app already, you just need to update. Um, it's available for any Apple or Android device. So the App Store or the Google Play is where you would go to download it. Uh, to be very specific, once you download it, use the left-hand navigation. It's the third item, Quest for the Coast. It's really easy. Once you get that... It's, Once you get the left hand the left thumb on the top left of the screen, you're good to go. Right, and it has it's a fun game. It's addictive. I was showing it off to some friends last night since we're releasing it today. And you know, Sakari mentions kids young at heart. I was out with a group of forty year olds, and a friend of mine took my phone, and I didn't get it back for about fifteen minutes as she was playing the game. So try it out, experiment, and have fun. Keep playing again and again. I think you'll have fun. And you'll learn a lot in the process. All right, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. It's available today, as a matter of fact. So, as you said, easily downloadable. Easy. 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 That's Doug Tatum, Executive Director of Digital Media for the New Orleans Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints. Brenda Walkenhorst, thank you very much. Of course, with Audit the Nature Institute, Director of Education Projects. Hey, Sean, let's jump yep. in for one more thing. We've one got a thing. big kickoff event oh, coming oh, right. up November on November 15th. 15th. Let's who talk about to, that for a little bit. Who wants to tell me about that? I will because I'm pretty excited about it. So it's going to be held at the Audubon Zoo on the 15th from 1 to 4. We've got a lot of special things out there. We're going to have big screens and iPads so people can come out and play. Uh, we'll have the Wetland Express and live animals. We'll have crafts for the kids. And, of course, we're very excited about all of the Pelicans things, the Swoop Troop, dancers, players, mascot. And this is all with the price of admission and then, of course, zoo animals. But it's a great kickoff for us next Saturday. I can't believe I'm almost forgot that so in 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 the hopes I didn't forget anything else, Sakari, is there anything else I've forgotten or uh, need to add? No, I, I, the only thing I want to say is just thank you to the Pelicans and to the Nature, Audubon Nature Institute for um, their partnership. I think um, it's just programs like this where we can show by leveraging our resources together um, that we can um, help make a difference in our community for this generation and future generations. So thank you again for your partnership. Absolutely. General Manager of Public Affairs for Chevron Gulf of Mexico, Sakari Morrison. Y'all did great. I can't wait. Literally, I will be passing the game around on the team playing this afternoon as the Pelicans head to San Antonio. Great, we, uh, great way to wrap up the week, too. Fun Friday here on the Black and Blue Report. I want to thank all of our guests here, of course, in Studio B this morning. And that includes, of course, Jimmy Johnson from the NFL on Fox, Mark Stein from ESPN, and Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. We'll be back with you on Monday for another edition of the Black and Blue Report. It will come your way from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, the home of LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Pelicans are at it Saturday night, of course, at 7.30. Saints at noon on Sunday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. A lot of coverage to come your way at uh, NewOrleansSaints.com and your Saints mobile app. 
as well. Daniel, I think that'll wrap it up. All right, so that'll do it for us on this Friday. Thanks again for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Sean Kelly saying so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. Thank you.